I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 430 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, it is great to be back, and I have got an awesome guest for a Transformation Tuesday edition of First Class Fatherhood. Chris Duffin is the only person in the world today who is squatting and deadlifting over 1,000 pounds for reps at his body weight. He is one of the greatest powerlifters of all time. He is also the co-founder of Kabuki Strength Equipment, which is the leading provider of innovative equipment to the strength and conditioning field. He has positioned himself uniquely in the fitness world by bridging the gap between the top clinical rehab and sports professionals in the world with the top athletes and strength and conditioning coaches. It's an honor to have him on the podcast today. Chris Duffin will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Chris Duffin was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch the conversation between the powerlifting phenomenon and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. Okay, and if you would like to hear my interviews with some of the other all-time great powerlifting dads that I've interviewed on the podcast here, go check out my interviews with Stan Efferding, Mark Bell, Brian Shaw, and a few others. If you follow me on Twitter, then you are aware that I was back down there at the White House once again last week, and boy, did I cause quite a commotion during the White House press briefing. Anderson Cooper discussed the incident, and the press secretary, Kaylee McEnany, tweeted all about it. Many articles were written about it. I was right smack dab in the middle of it. If you're interested in hearing the true version of the events, I wrote a blog post about it on my website, firstclassfatherhood.com. I advise you to get over there, check it out, and see what all the fun was all about. All right, make sure you follow me over there on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace to find out all the upcoming guest announcements. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please hit me with a rating or review on iTunes. It goes a long way to help me out here. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about this podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show to see you celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule. And every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with Chris Duffin. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, if we learned anything this last year, it's that building health and immunity is more important than ever, and that all begins with what you put on your plate. Bell Campo is on a mission to revolutionize the meat industry for the well-being of people, the planet, and animals by farming meat the right way with certified humane, regenerative, and climate-positive practices, which means it's better for you, the planet, and the animals. That's a trifecta that I'm proud to be a part of, and right now, First Class Fatherhood listeners can have Belcampo sustainably raised meats delivered right to your door using my promo code FATHERHOOD at belcampo.com forward slash fatherhood and get 20% off your first order. Go visit belcampo.com forward slash fatherhood, use the promo code FATHERHOOD at the checkout, and save 20% off your first order at Belcampo. Joining me now, First Class Father, Chris Duffin. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thanks for having me on, Alex. Appreciate it. All right, let's start it like this here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I've got uh, three, and actually two of them uh, have birthdays this weekend. So one is turning the oldest. My boy is turning 12, and my youngest is turning three uh, this weekend. Then I've got an eight-year-old daughter as well. Wow, very cool. What kind of sports or activities you got them into? Well, it's a little tough right now, especially on the West Coast. They got everything kind of shut down. But um, uh, the oldest two love uh, soccer, uh, basketball. My uh, my son's doing basketball. 
And uh, uh, my daughter also loves gymnastics. She is huge in getting into uh, actually weightlifting and like uh, pull-ups and all sorts of stuff. It's actually pretty entertaining. So uh, as part of the businesses I own, one of them, we have a gym, uh, which is uh, part of where we create our educational product uh, content and uh, and test our equipment. She's over there. She's like, I, I need a I need a weightlifting belt, Daddy. And she's eight years old. She's eight years old. She can do uh, four pull ups on herself, four dips, and she just loves just going and doing that. And uh, super athletic. And then my youngest three, she's not doing anything yet other than she is just a wild child. So I don't know, <laughs> running like crazy. Well, and getting a little bit deeper into that, Chris, please just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Yeah, so um, I work kind of in the uh, the space around uh, human performance or uh, human physiology. So uh, I uh, co-founded uh, several companies, the largest of which is uh, Kabuki Strength. And so we make the best biomechanically sound uh, weightlifting equipment barbells in the world. And just side note, since you have a lot of uh, athletes on here, like uh, of the like major league baseball teams, there's only three that we don't work with. Uh, so we're in about 90% of all professional sports, uh, in major league baseball, NFL, NBA. So pretty much if you've got a favorite player, he's probably using our equipment at his place or at, even at his home, like the whole Lakers starting line, they got all our stuff for their home gyms during the, uh, the shutdown. Uh, we outfitted the, uh, the NBA when they were going to do the playoffs, uh, their training centers, uh, and pretty much every major college, 600 plus we work with. Um, and we do uh, coaching education as we're uh, basically around kind of human movement. Um, Barefoot Athletics is a company that does uh, uh, minimalist shoes. So uh, foot mechanics is a huge portion of what I do. And then uh, also build fast, uh, uh, build, build fast formula, which is uh, supplementation. So, so I'm kind of in a lot of different avenues. Um, I'm known as a, a strength athlete. So I'm the only person in history that's ever squatted and deadlifted a thousand pounds for, for reps. And, uh, so I'm kind of known and that's what gives me some uh, visibility, uh, around that and play in uh, kind of this weird space of uh, clinical rehab to performance. So a lot of research and clinical work and pure strength training. Yeah, wow, very impressive. You've had a very successful run here, Chris. So about, about how old were you when you became a father, and how did becoming a dad kind of change your perspective on life? Yeah, so I was 31 uh, when my, my, my first child was born, and it really, maybe it wasn't immediate. It was like a couple years in, like watching my, my two kids grow. So I had this really strange upbringing. I, I, I grew up homeless in the mountains, and just had a lot of like really traumatic experiences and stuff growing through that environment. I've written a, a best-selling book about it. Um, but when my kids starting, I started watching them kind of grow in their younger years. And then it brought back a lot of the experiences for myself and really coming home, how important it was for me to be there and be present in a way uh, that wasn't that I didn't have. And so it was and then also just making sure that some of those experiences that I went through, how important and critical it was that to make sure that they never had to be in those types of situations. But at the same time, not removing yet all obstacles uh, that we see today that they they need to be able to fail. They need to be able to like learn through challenge and 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 being able to find their own way. And so 
the, those lessons started really hitting me home probably in my mid thirties, honestly, that, uh, um, you know, the, you know, that, that balance of protection, but also, also not, and not, you know, we, I see honestly a lot of that kind of going wrong in the world of parenting today, uh, with too much of the, the helicopter parenting, the protecting and even being a, a business leader and stuff, you see, like, uh, I, I also work as an advisor to uh, my old college as well and see it in both the college world as well as even into the workplace now where some of these parents are becoming trying to help their kids through this process as they're moving into adulthood because they haven't built like resilient, you know, adults because they lack, they didn't parent appropriately uh, uh, growing up. So just interesting side topic. Yeah, yeah I, I couldn't agree with you more there, Chris. And it's very, you know, what, what's awesome is, I mean, I talk on my show a lot that we have a fatherless crisis going on in this country. A lot of kids, too many kids are growing up without a father in their life. Now, you're one of those guys um, who grew up now without a father, and, and now you are an involved dad. So it's like a, a lot, that breaks that chain because a lot of times uh, people that are growing up without that father are having kids, and then they're disabanding their kids because that's how, all they know how to do. So it's when it stops there. That's what could really start to turn this whole thing around. And, and I agree that, um, you know, kids are not allowed to fail. Everyone gets a trophy, the participation trophy. We, we don't allow anybody to lose in today's games. Uh, so I think that's really, you know, having a wreaking havoc on our society as well there. So um, I, I'm curious about, like, um, how do you how are you as a disciplinarian as a father? And, and what kind of disciplinarian, if any, did you grow up with? Um, <laughs> well, uh, to answer, you know, growing up, I, I'm not, I'm not sure how to address that. It was just such a strange environment that a lot of people wouldn't be able to, uh, to connect with. Um, but, uh, I, uh, as you know, I was growing up, I was actually kind of more of the parenting figure. I actually ended up taking custody. I, I basically was responsible for taking care of my three siblings, uh, you know, while, uh, my mother and stepfather were out, you know, tending the crops or, you know, working lumber, mining, whatever it was. I was, I was kind of there. And then the evenings they were, they were drinking and, you know, and, and then I, when I got a little bit older, I ended up taking custody of my three siblings and actually raising them. So I had this kind of parenting, uh, experience kind of very early on. And like with my sisters, I definitely was not much of the, uh, authoritative figure, but making sure that I set an example with, uh, with what I did. Um, and, but letting them kind of, you know, learn on their own and be responsible for their own actions. And it ended up working out well. And I kind of, I, I, I lead in kind of a similar fashion with my own, my own children, you know, is, is, um, you have to, you have to set rules. And if we don't have boundaries, uh, we actually, I think, limit our children uh, because if 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 they don't have something to kind of to push against, they're going to create their own boundaries. As it, it, it's almost the the opposite of what you would think. I think we create uh, kids that don't explore uh, if they don't have those self-imposed boundaries because they don't know what's safe. They don't know what the limits are. And that's part of that testing process is, is, you know, when a child is testing you, understanding that that's part of they're not challenging you. 
they're they're challenging to find what is safe and what is acceptable level to how do I act and interact in this world today? How do I what's appropriate to be able to to interact around other people? How do I form relationships? How do I like all this is is developed by those boundaries that you set as an adult. And so if you don't do that, you know, your child is going to end up having problems with being able to um, know what's appropriate behavior as they move into, uh, you know, into school and starting developing friendships. Because if they if they don't and they act out, you know, those kids, those other kids are not going to want to interact with them to begin with. And so they're going to get ostracized and pushed aside. Um, and and uh, and and so it's it's important that you that you put those boundaries in place, but actually like it doesn't mean that you need to, to spank or do things like that. Like it, it's just a matter of being firm with the boundaries that you have. And it, it doesn't really matter necessarily what they are, but you need to put them in place, be firm and be able to escalate it uh, when it needs to happen so that they can understand what behaviors are acceptable and what are not. Yeah, well said, Chris. And I, I think we we, uh, we kind of try to simulate a lot of things for our kids. We have kids that are involved in organized sports as young as four years old. And, you know, when I was a kid, we played a lot of street ball. There were, there were no referees. There was no coaches, no parents watching us. We made all the rules. We set the location we were going to play. We set up, we, we settled all the fights and arguments. So um, I think we rob our kids of those uh, problem-solving skill sets that they're going to need later on in life. A hundred percent. Like, you've got to let that, you've got to let that happen. And, uh, that's how, <laughs> if, if we don't, we're not, uh, we're not allowing them to develop those skills on their own that, you know, going in and coddling too much is, it doesn't, you know, it, it, it makes them afraid of like chasing things in the world themselves. They're not going to go out there and go after challenge and try to do something with their life or be able to face, you know, the challenges of guess what, when you get out there, people are going to challenge you. You know, in the workplace environment, in in the in the competitive environment, it, it is not this, you know, this game of everybody. Everybody's a winner and helping your kids understand, hey, you know, if you if you didn't win, it doesn't mean you are a loser. Right. It means that you didn't win this time and you got to step up your game and come around and try to do it again another way and another way and keep going um, and that you can that you can overcome and, 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 and be successful. It's just like taking on a task that you're unable to do. You get frustrated. Okay, that's fine. Let's, let's chase it again. Let's do it again. It doesn't mean that you, who you are is that. And so that's, I think that where people get lost with a lot of this stuff today is they don't want their child to feel like they're a loser. Well, that's, that's just your poor, poor ability to be able to frame the situation correctly for your child and to help them develop the resilience to come back around. And so, so yeah, you didn't, you didn't show up or demonstrate in a manner that was a, allowed you to, to win or overcome this opportunity this time, but you got to come back. You get in the real world, you go to your first, you know, apply for your first job, you go get your first interview and they turn you down. What are you going to do? Ah, oh, you know, well, guess what? You got to come back around, improve your interviewing skills, update your resume, get work a little harder and get better performance at your last job. Like you get, if we don't develop that skills, you're going to negatively impact your child for life. You have to be able to allow them to develop those skills of resilience and, and, uh, uh, out there. 
Yeah, yeah, good, good stuff, Chris. And I, I go back to like Michael Jordan was a guy who got cut from his high school basketball team, and that kind of drove him uh, to become really what he what what he became later on in his life. And I wonder like how much of that would have been you know negated if they just said, "Oh, it's okay, Mike, you make the team like everybody else." Would he still have had that drive to push himself to make himself the best? So I think we lose things like that by just allowing everybody to say uh, it's okay and you're not that bad, and we 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 pick everybody at the same time. No one gets picked last. Uh, I think that does the kids a, a, a terrible disservice. So uh, I, I want to bring it into what, what you do here, Chris. I know you mentioned they're out in uh, California, everywhere else, the coronavirus is impacted. Oregon, yeah. Oh, Oregon, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, on the West Coast, East Coast, we've all been impacted by this. And nowhere has it been impacted more than in the gyms. They were the first to really uh, go down, the, first, the last to come back. How has the coronavirus impacted what you do? And what is the best way for people that are used to going to the gym and stuff? What's the best way for them to stay in shape while their gyms are locked down? Well, on the West Coast, East Coast, we've all been impacted by this. And nowhere has it been impacted more than in the gyms. They were the first to really uh, go down, the, first, the last to come back. How has the coronavirus impacted what you do? And what is the best way for people that are used to going to the gym and stuff? What's the best way for them to stay in shape while their gyms are locked down? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, the gym side of our business has definitely uh, been closed, uh, which is not a problem. That's not really been our business. That's more of our R&D lab. Um, so we provide equipment. Uh, and so obviously that's been that's been huge as people have outfitted their own home training centers. And I think that that's really kind of be uh, where where that industry is heading, because honestly, I don't really think that the big box environments are the best environment for people. If you want to be successful, you need to surround yourself with this right environment, the right tools. And when in your, if you're in an environment that tries to cater to everyone of all different areas, it's not the right environment for any particular area of what you want to achieve. And so finding like a, a smaller studio that's more catered to whatever environment it is. You know, maybe you're more into the MMA side of things. Maybe you're more into, uh, you know, a CrossFit-ish or Olympic lifting or, uh, you know, you can find these specific like disciplines and, and more catered environments or just create your own, uh, which I think is, you know, what a lot of people have been forced to do in this environment is realize that you don't need a lot of all the really fancy stuff. Um, once you're forced to do things and you actually, you know, you can create this, you, you know, your, your own place, uh, and you're, you know, and, and really getting, you know, it's kind of like, I hate to a more self-reflective or yoga esque, but you know, like this, it's just you and the weight and not like you're not having to look or appear for anybody else. You're, you're there for you. And I think that that's actually really good for a lot of people to try to, uh, uh, you know, come to come to terms with and and not necessarily come to terms with, but really get that that understanding and connection. Um, and so I, I really think that that is kind of the there is is people creating their own space to train or finding the small environments. And uh, uh, so as you do it is, you know, trying to find uh, a lot of equipment that you can house and do a lot of things with all at once instead of. I, I need a machine that does this and uh, a machine that does that. And so, you know, that's why we've done really well uh, ourselves as a company because we make these great multi-purpose barbells that can be done, used for all sorts. You buy one, it's, you know, fairly expensive, 
but it covers the base of so many different athletic movements and development um, that you don't need to have uh, uh, a plethora of different tools. So in a small space, you know, your garage, uh, an extra bedroom, an office or something like that, uh, you can set up uh, set up an area to train. But just, you know, if it if all you got is a few bands and some makeshift stuff, you know, get out there and do it. The important thing is that every day that you get out and move for 10 to 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Great perspective there, Chris. And you mentioned earlier there that your eight year old, I think you said was, uh, you know, she's doing those dips and the push ups and stuff like that. Um, I've had several of the other like bodybuilder guys on with Brian Shaw and Stan Efforting, and they say, you know, it's good, you know, it's always okay to push your own body weight around, but you're into with the actual weights. What is a good age or a safe age for kids to actually start using the weights and actually moving real weight around? By the way, uh, Stan Efforting and Brian Shaw, huge customers of ours. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so there's not a specific age. What you want to look at is uh, the motor development of your child. So this is actually a really key uh, uh, thing for people to understand. So we don't want to start loading patterns until the motor pattern is developed. And that's going to be very different. So like my eight-year-old daughter, uh, she's very athletic and actually moves really well and has got good control. But, you know, if your kid is, you know, trying to mimic a squat pattern and they're all over the place, right knee caving in, another one going out, you know, you know, arching, bending over, like don't load that yet. We've got to have motor control. So it's more of this management of the nervous system. Movement patterns, then you can start loading. And that's, that's it plain and simple. So it's going to be somewhere in, um, you know, that, you know, pre-teen-ish area to teen, but it, again, it's dependent. I've seen some older teens still in a position, you know, and I hate it. Like I'll be at a powerlifting uh, competition or something like that, you know, being a, a referee, a judge, um, or something of that nature. And they've, you know, some coach has this kid out there just going all out, going for a max. And I'm like, Please, why, why are you even training this kid like this? They're, uh, I'm sorry, like I'm, a, 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 a motor, a, a motor moron, you know, at this point in their life, uh, you can't load that yet because those patterns are, are not developed and that's going to cause some issues, uh, in their, in their growth and ability and potentially, uh, uh, increase the, uh, risk, uh, for injury. So, so there's no fixed answer. Um, like for my daughter, it's at, you know, seven, eight years old. Um, but for a lot of people, it may be, uh, you know, much older, 12, 13, 14. Um, my son, same thing. He's a bit, uh, you know, I wouldn't allow him. He doesn't have an interest in the lifting weight, so I don't push that. All I care is that they they have some expression of uh, physical culture in their life. I don't care what it is. It's some sport. But uh, but he wouldn't have been able, if he was interested in loading, uh, probably till, uh more recently, around 11 or 12 well, Chris, what about now? I know, obviously, uh, you know, college, even high school football, these high school sports have become so um, competitive and it can mean big dollars or scholarships for a lot of these kids. And they're always trying to get the edge in the weight room. Uh, so what would you say are like safe supplements for these kids that are really getting after it? And they're, you know, in high school, they're not adults yet, but they're they're right there and they're trying to really get after it right now. What are the safe supplements or is it more diet importance for them? What would you say about that? I would strike home. So this is coming from somebody that uh, owns a supplement company. All right. 
right. So many people dump so much money in training and supplements and stuff like this for their kids and let them have Pop-Tarts for breakfast. And there's nothing wrong with Pop-Tarts, <laughs> but understand, you know, that's probably going to be something that you would want in a different window of time frame and making sure that they're getting their good quality food. So understand nutrition, make sure you're getting uh, a good diet in first. Absolutely. A hundred percent. You need to have good sources of protein and, you know, I'm going to push animal protein as your best source of protein. Okay. Um, you're going to want to have vegetables every day. Okay. Uh, you know, it's not just for the fiber. There's so many micronutrients that, you know, improve, uh, how organs function and all sorts of things within the body. So things that happen on a cellular level, cleansing, um, and we're not talking about a cleansed diet. I'm talking about at a cellular level, things happening. Um, and uh, and so we've got to have a really good whole rounded diet, making sure that we got enough protein. Uh, usually fats isn't a problem for, you know, our teen athletes, but you don't want a low fat diet. You need to have at least a minimal level of fats uh, so that uh, for for hormone transportation and things of those th those nature. Um and then manage carbohydrates based on activity level. All right. It's pretty, pretty straightforward stuff. So um, recommend at least one gram of protein per pound of body weight. There's a lot of stuff out there saying that uh, you, you should go a lot higher. Um, that is that is adequate based on the research um, to meet those needs. So if your kid's 150 pounds, they're going to need, uh, you know, about 150 grams of protein a day. All right. Um, if you're sold on the plant-based diet, uh, thing, just make sure you're doing your research and picking up the other, uh, lacking stuff because a plant-based diet does not provide the full amino acid and, uh, and, and vitamins, uh, uh, nutrients that you need. Um, so make sure that you're doing that. So, um, this is where protein can come in handy as a supplement though. So making sure that, Hey, I've got some good whole food protein sources, but then mixing in a, a, a protein supplement. Um, I really recommend a blend of casein and whey. That's what we sell. But if you don't want to buy that, go find something similar. It gives you a lot more flexibility because it covers a larger window of time frame. The two work together. Uh, and so when you're talking about supplementing, it's not talking about getting your protein uh, requirements in with the protein, with, with the powder, but actually covering the gaps uh, that you would have in uh, catabolism. So burning muscle um, and making sure that you've got amino acids uh, in the in the body at the time that you need for anabolism. So um, a whey and casein blend gives you this uh, six to eight hour window of that, of this uh, amino acid uh, level. Um, creatine is always a nice, easy one. Um, so uh, there's nothing specific about it. It just helps with, uh, um, it helps with hydration. Uh, salt does the same thing. So uh, I definitely recommend, you know, a, a quarter teaspoon. That's right of salt twice a day. All right. Um, so these things, salt is, uh, if you hear anything bad about salt, as far as blood pressure, that research is completely invalid. It was done in the seventies and it is not scientific and has been completely, uh, uh, uh disregarded at this point other than any, uh, maybe you've got a doctor that doesn't stay updated on stuff. Okay. 
Um, so quarter teaspoon, Stan Efferding, I think preaches this quite a bit. I don't know if he covered it in your podcast, but uh, uh, quarter teaspoon of salt twice a day uh, would be really good uh, for, for them. So both creatine and salt help with maintaining cellular hydration, um, which is, which is going to be vastly important. Yeah. Wow. Incredibly informative stuff, Chris. That's awesome. And, uh, uh, I'm going to wrap this up here with the, the, the last thing I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast here. Uh, what kind of advice do you have for the new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? Uh, that, uh, both those, uh, both those timeframes, that's a pretty scary, uh, scary point in time. I remember, and everybody has that experience driving home from the hospital the first time where you're like afraid to drive and you're like, this is surreal. Am I going to cr-? like, uh, it's okay. All right. <laughs> don't be too scared. Um, uh, everything you're going to figure that you're going to figure this out. And, uh, so it's just, uh, you know, calm the anxiety, you know, disregard, you know, all the books and everything saying, you know, how complicated and all the th- things that you need, like, you know, be your authentic self. Um, it's the most important thing that you can do as a father is helping your child understand and form their own set of values in the world. Okay. And that's going to come with time and it's not you telling it, it's helping them find their own. So there's no magic answer or book that's going to help you with that. That is just you being you, the yeah. real you. Very well said. I, I, I love the message. This has been an honor for me. I got to say, Chris Duffin, you're a first class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on first class fatherhood. Been fun, my friend. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. i got to give a special thank you once again to Chris Duffin for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Lock it into my Instagram account, at Alec underscore Lace, for the upcoming guest announcements. Friday, I will be dropping my first ever father-son edition of First Class Fatherhood. I had my first father-daughter edition back with Dinesh D'Souza and his daughter, Danielle D'Souza Gill, which was a big hit with the listeners. So I hope you'll find out who will be joining me here on Friday locking into my Instagram account at Alec underscore Lace. That's all I got for you guys today. I am Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood, and I thank you for doing so. Please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. <laughs>